Hello and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. This is episode 9, original air date, November 26, 2015, also known as Turkey Day. Hello, my name is Megan and I will be your host this evening. I am the youngest of the siblings and with us tonight is my brother Kier. Hello. My sister Sarah. Hello. And our dad, Robot Dad. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into the podcast. We're going to start things off with what's caused us to geek out lately. We'll go into our topic of the week after that, and then we'll wrap things up with our picks of the week. So starting us off. Let's do, hmm, well, after that, I have to pick Robot Dad, because that was quite the entrance. So, Robot Dad, what's caused you to geek out lately? Well, I've been writing a program. Um, uh, I'm using my backup system and the LAN stack, the Apache web server on my backup system, so I'm writing it on my LAN, and I'm writing it in PHP, and I'm calling it Personal Task Manager. And it grew out of the uh, last podcast when we were discussing scalers and the different type and Habitica and uh, different types type of schedulers people have used. And um, I did write a scheduler before in DeepBase that I installed for my clients to use when they had computer jobs that needed done three times a week or once a month or whatever. And... Uh, so it's kind of similar to that, but it's a completely new thing, a complete rewrite, and it's a very minimalist uh, type thing. Um, it supervises tasks by date, so it's not an hour in the scheduler, and there's no alarms. Instead of alarms, I just uh, start a cron job, and turns out you can just use the word Firefox, and then your link, and run that at 5 a.m. so that it's active when I hit the computer in the morning. And uh, it, it supports tasks and reminders. And tasks are sticky until you click done. So if you don't do a task today, it's still going to be there tomorrow. Um, but reminders are not sticky. Um, but both can recur or can be once only. Let's see. My recurring possibilities. Bring up my new task screen and once only or daily and you also have a weekly where you're reminded on either Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday a monthly when you're reminded on a certain day of the month a yearly when you're reminded on a certain date of the year like a birthday or an anniversary and I have also every end days so that would be like 14 days for once every two weeks or five days if you had a maintenance test that needed done every five days clean the filter or whatever it is but, um, I'm also have this uh, one that I haven't implemented yet but I know how um, like uh, monthly uh, events are, are often not on a particular day but they're like the first Monday the third Wednesday fifth Sunday five so that's going to be the my final recurring feature in my personal task manager well, you've already got Habitica beat, which is right now my leading complaint about it, is that uh, your scheduling options are day of the week, specific date, or X days, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, X days yeah. give you weekly. Um, 
the other thing about the thing I implemented this morning, and what I'm doing is I'm using it and programming it at the same time. Um, so the thing I implemented this morning is that when you pick weekly, uh, the first thing it does is check whether you're on the right day of the week. In other words, if I pick every Sunday, it checks whether the enter date, which defaults to today, is Sunday or not. So I don't have to worry about what day Sunday is on. I just pick Sunday, and then whenever I save it, it jumps forward until it finds a Sunday. And then that's the first Sunday. The next Sunday that's up will be the first time I get reminded of it. And also, it does all, all of the reminders in a list. So starting at the top, the stuff I haven't done yet that I haven't clicked on, and then today's stuff, and then on into the future. So I could work right into the future all of the sales frame. Yeah, I've actually seen it in person as he's been working on it. And um, I like the list format. And there's little check boxes next to it. And it's just a real clean format. And it's, you know, something I work well with. I do really well with lists. It's not pretty. It's not pretty, it's, but it's functional. It's just text, yeah. Um, I mean, there's check boxes and there's buttons, but there's no graphics to it whatsoever. And uh, one interesting thing about this project is doing almost all of the date arithmetic with text, dates, and logic. Um, there's a few cases like where you recur every N and days that it's better to use the date function. But um, a lot of stuff like uh, day of the month and stuff like that is kind of hard to do with the date function. So yeah. I just have an old odometer, you know, it just rolls over, you know, what it's at the end of the month and just do all the math on the text. You know, and PHP is good at that because uh, it's not um, strongly typed. So if you have a text string that's 19 and you add one to it, you get 20 and then you pad it into a string and you got a string again. Yeah, the, uh, the, the string to time function in PHP is also really helpful for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I use that too. Um, but yeah. when, I, when I am using the, the date, add so many days, um, mm -hmm. that's, uh, and mostly I just found little snippets on the internet to do things like that, but the all the logic code I just wrote myself. And yeah. when I'm done, when I'm done, which will be very soon, because it's really just about done now, um, I will post it to the internet and it will be licensed GPL. Um, uh, it's just for one person, you know what I'm saying? There is a multi-user thing, it's not for a big office. Or, uh, and you have to run it on a web server, and not everybody has their own web server on their LAN. Um, but still, um, well, to the pick of the week, uh, there's some options there. The, w the one more thing that I would add to that is that uh, when I was uh, young and learning how to program, uh, you taught me that there were three basic methods of development. And there was the top-down approach, the bottom-up approach, and the flailing around method. <laughs> 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 and it, it sounds like the flailing around method is our chosen method of development. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I really think um, this was bottom up. There was yeah. a, there was a, a kind of an idea that there would be a list and an entry screen, and that that would be the whole program. Um, yeah. But uh, um, then I just 
uh, started putting it in place, and I developed the functions I needed as I needed them. So uh, the first thing I did was uh, write a that would um, bring a daily event that was now in the past that needed to occur up to today, because that was took no data arithmetic at all, just turning today into a string, and uh, and so then I was able to get my list working in my uh, you know all my logic and everything in place, and no more functions were in the set, and um, and then I just went one thing at a time, added one little thing at a time. Some of it was tricky and some wasn't, but none of it was really hard. Very cool, very cool. Um, all right, so next we have, hmm, who do I want to go next? I want to go with Sarah, since I don't think you talked at all during that last discussion. What's caused you <laughs> okay. to kick out lately? <laughs> um I'm actually going to talk about not what's caused me to geek out lately, but what my family has been geeking out about lately, because I feel like I have been drugged into what they're geeking out about. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we watched a bunch of Lindy Beige when Kier talked about Lindy Beige, um, however many episodes ago, and... Liz decided shortly after watching a bunch of Lindy Beige, Beige that instead of buying a new coat this year, she wanted to make a cloak because he talked about a cloak and how great cloaks were. So we went and bought her a wool blanket uh, a little while back and some leather for a, a buckle and all kinds of stuff. So she's starting to work on building a cloak for this winter. Um, so she's, she's kind of, she's having some fun with that. And... I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. She does have. We do have coats. It's not like they're, if, if it doesn't work out as well as, as she hopes it does, we don't have something. But it's it's getting it's getting cold here now, so she's been <laughs> procrastinating on it, or we've been procrastinating on helping her with it, whichever way you want to look at it. So so this weekend when, you know, we dropped below freezing, it was like, okay, well, it's time to do that. So <laughs> so that's what that's what she's been geeking out about. Well, uh, not only are cloaks warm, but they are extremely geeky. <laughs> they are pretty geeky. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are definitely that. Um, I like them because they're basically just walking around with a blanket wrapped around you at all times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and she's not. You know, she's not using it. I mean, it's gonna be like the leather is gonna be stitched on so that she doesn't have to worry about. Um like sticking stuff through it like a pin or anything all she has to do is just do a buckle we decided to go that route um and see how so, that works for as as someone who was uh heavily involved in the sca at one point i did have a cloak and cloaks are really nice and the nicest thing about cloaks is that you can share a cloak you can't really share a coat but you can share a cloak yeah i could say and, that and Cloaks are extremely geeky. Walking around wearing a blanket is uh, kind of like a hippie. <laughs> kind of like what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that's what you said, but you kind of cut out, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me so much. <laughs> I think it's just coming from you, Dad. <laughs> you know. 
The blanket is the poor man's cloak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So cloak making. I don't. I don't have. Yeah. I don't have a lot to add to that. I've made. I've like sewn once in my life and it basically was me pretending like I was sewing for about five minutes and then mom actually doing the sewing so (laughs) 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 that's my experience I have I have one thing to add to that and that's the emergency raincoat from a trash bag (laughs) I was I was down at Helena and we were partying and the band was playing and everything and it started to rain and we didn't care. We were still partying and this guy just disappeared and I thought, man, I thought he was hardcore. You know what I'm saying? And about 10 minutes later, he showed back up with a box of black trash bags and we all cut a head hole in them and stuck our heads through and it was kind of like a cloak except it was close at the front. And all of a sudden, we were just as warm as could be, and it didn't matter. It was raining, and we just went on partying. Yeah, I remember doing that in Girl Scouts. <laughs> the trash bag, the poor man's blanket. Uh, <laughs> 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 and then, and then, the, <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> but yeah, and, and in fact, I think our camping list would say poncho or trash bag. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was like the camping. And, you know, <laughs> which, which and you know, if you're homeless, you can find trash bags and dumpsters. You just have to dump all the trash out. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, so real quick, speaking of Girl Scouts, Wendy had her first Girl Scout meeting last week. Oh, great. Yeah. That was a big part of my youth. Big, big it was course. a big part of Rosemary's youth, too. It was and not a big I like the Girl Scout from day one. I like the cookies. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, Girl Scouts are a big part of my, my adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> now that we're completely, totally off of what I started with. <laughs> cloaks! Cloaks, cloaks, cloaks! Uh, Bring it well, back I around! About, <laughs> I was going to talk about, that was, that was Lizzie's geek out these last couple of weeks. Um, Devin, um, as long as I have known him, he's talked about wanting to um, learn to brew beer. And I think that we have watched, on average, about 10 YouTube videos a day over the last two weeks <laughs> on how to brew beer, equipment for brewing beer. And, I mean, he's he's really he's really excited about it. I mean, he's, he's doing more research on it right now than I ever remember him doing it, putting books on hold at the library. Um all kinds of stuff we are we have watched uh will will wheaton did a, a youtube video where where he brewed beer so of course we had to watch that one and he's been watching a lot of the videos from some of the the beer brewing suppliers that they put out so i don't know it looks like probably sometime in the spring there'll be some homebrewed beer in our in our life which will be tasty I, for one, would like to say that I fully support this geeky endeavor. <laughs> Jack Scott and I um, used to brew beer, and um, it's not hard. So when you make your first batch and it's crap, feel real dumb. <laughs> oh. I never knew how good our beer was because we always drank it while it was still green. Oh. It wasn't that good, but it was good enough to drink. 
It's all it takes. Just got to be good enough to drink. <laughs> Doesn't have to be good. Oh. Just good enough to drink. We, um, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's, um, found out that it's not as hard as what he originally thought when he was first looking it up. It was like everything was really intimidating to him. And so he did a little bit of research and then went, you know what, this might not be for me right now. And, and something happened to, to reignite that interest over the last little bit. And he's, he's found that the, the equipment isn't exp as expensive and it's not as hard as he had originally thought, I think, has, has been a big part of why, why we've watched a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I recently went out with some friends and went, on, uh, went in on a kit together. And I've talked to Devin about this. As because, as you said, this is what he's been obsessed with in the last couple of weeks, and uh, the the kit is really like a, you know, kind of like a, 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 a cake mix versus scratch, you know, and uh, uh, so so we 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 did the cake mix approach, and it was actually a really nice way to spend an afternoon, uh, and uh, we sat down and, and drank some beers from the last batch that the guy made and uh, we all chipped in on the kit together and all chipped in on the work together and uh, in the end we all split the beer and it came out cheaper and better than most of the craft beer that I have bought at stores so I highly recommend this geeky endeavor yeah and of course I think he's probably talked to you about this too but he's really wanting to do from grains and not yeah. do Extracts and all of that. So, so of course, that's going to add a little bit of equipment and a little bit of time, and all of that to it. But um, uh, one of the one of the books, I actually was the one that put the books on hold for him at the library because he just kind of texted me one day and he goes, "Can you see if the library has anything?" And of course, our library doesn't, but stuff within the system does. And mm -hmm. so, uh, one of the books that I um, I found was it was something along the lines of two hundred and fifty. Um, beer recipes from grains or something like that so that'll be interesting to look through whenever whenever it comes in it takes forever for stuff to come through our system but but it'll be and i think when i can sit down and, and with a book i might i might become a little more invested especially if there's like a recipe book so i like recipes yeah. sarah i know you're a history geek and the argument has been made that beer was the beginning of civilization for mankind. There was a documentary, right, Kier? Is that... Yeah, How Beer that, Saved yeah. the World. Yeah. Beer, <laughs> so, beer led to ag agriculture, not agriculture led to beer. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I know Devin watched that. I did not watch that, but I, I, I kind of remember that you recommended it to him, and he watched it quite a few years ago. <laughs> Yeah. And um, he's been trying to get me to watch it, and I just haven't sat down to do it. So I guess I should do that at some point. Yeah, I can't find it anywhere now. So and oh, I, okay. no, well, I can watch it again. The famous expert on beer, Mr. Homer Simpson, said, Beer, the cause of and the solution to all of men's problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's about right. <laughs> but it is tasty. Yeah, I like good beer. Doesn't have to be good. It just has to be good enough. <laughs> Anymore, it has to be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that you're fine with something until you have something really good, and then you're like, okay, well, that just ruined that for me. <laughs> and beer is one of those things. Yeah. Somebody. Cheese is another one. Cheese, you know, like those little cheap blocks of cheese just don't taste very good to me now. I mean, they, some of them taste a little bit like wax. Somebody once uh, compared beer to soda in the fact that there's so many sodas out there. And, you know, there's a lot of soda that's drinkable enough, but everybody tends to have their kind of go-to soda. And I thought yeah. that was a good comparison to to those who just don't... haven't had enough beer to, to find their go-to beer. Because I feel like there's enough beer out there that even people who don't particularly like beer will eventually find one that has the right flavor to like it. Yeah, I have I have a favorite beer right now. <laughs> it is very good beer. Uh, okay, Clearson. What? Clearson. Well, Kier's actually, actually had it. It's um it's actually from a, a a brewery up in St. Louis called Urban Chestnut, and it's kind of it's kind of funny how we even ended up happening on this beer. We went to a game day in St. Louis, and it was originally scheduled at the game store, but there was some sort of conflict, so they moved it to the Urban Chestnut. And we didn't even have beer that day. We just ate and then played games. And months later, I mean, this was almost a year ago that we went to this game day. Um, we were just kind of perusing Walmart in the beer section. And Devin noticed there was one that said Urban Chestnut on it. And he's like, huh. And, and the guy that we went up there with had had some of the beer. And he's like, it was really good. So they have one called um, Wingnut, which is a, a brown ale. And it, I really like it a lot. It's 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 one of my absolute favorites that I've ever had, and it's one that I can get locally. So it's it's well, my get, favorite. Get it's... me some. Get me some. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> um, like I like brown. brown. I like brown ales. I do yeah. too. It's it's yeah. I like brown. Ale every a lot. time, every time I drive up, I try to stop by and pick up a, a four pack. And one of the things I like it is not only is it a really good beer. But they serve it proper in pints. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like pack that. of sixteen ounce bottles. Yeah, because then you only have to drink one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, really, that's that's all. It, that's that's a good amount to drink of yeah. that particular. I, I really like it, and and it's not. It's it's available. Like, um, I know that there's a distributor in Chicago. So it's available more than just locally, but it's still a very regional beer. So, so people living oh. outside this area probably can't get it easily. But it's worth it if it's if you're close to a place that has it. So it's been suggested multiple times that we have the stargazing park, and we're finally going to do that real soon here. Uh, I think the next one needs to be a fancy beer and cheese party. <laughs> I am for that. Fancy We're gonna beer have some. And cheese. Can add some wine too, because I like wine as well. But and I know my mom likes wine better than beer. I think she doesn't drink it all anymore. Does she not even drink wine anymore? We've had this wine we've had since last Christmas. Oh, okay. I almost broke into it last time I was at their house. I was just like, if you're not gonna drink it, <laughs> it's either gonna be aged really good or it's gonna be vinegar. We don't well, know. You know I actually have a wine I've had in my fridge for like a year because 
we bought it uh, because Devin's not a big wine drinker, but occasionally he'll find one he really likes. And we bought it because Devin really likes it. But because of his call schedule, I mean, he, he can only drink 50% of the days of the year. And um, it's one of those things that it's a it's kind of a commitment to open a bottle of wine for just two people. I don't know yeah. why, but, you know, it's high alcohol content and we're not heavy drinkers. So it's just one of those things that unless I'm cooking with a wine, we rarely drink wine. Like, I'll cook with the wine, and then we'll drink the rest of the bottle kind of thing with dinner or whatever. Um, <laughs> and this is not a good cooking wine, so it's just sat there in the fridge because... Stargazing it's, it's, party, man. Just made better <laughs> when, with wine. <laughs> I have to bring it out because he will not be on call that weekend, and we'll have people to share it with. So, And hopefully it won't be vinegar. And just be like, whoa, Jupiter, man. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> it's also from well, a... A Missouri vineyard, so that's always nice. We're, I guess we're buying local. <laughs> All right. Occasionally, Rosemary and I will split a bottle of wine, which means that she has approximately a glass of wine, and I have approximately a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know that story, except it's the other way around, where he'll have <laughs> he'll have the um, the glass, and I'll have the rest. Our parents brought us up right. Right, we know how to finish a bottle. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if I drink three quarters of a bottle of wine, I am tipsy. It's <laughs> I just I just don't drink enough. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Well, yeah, we cloaks and, and wine and all all the in betweens. Kier, Kier's up next. All right. Uh, my big geek out as of late has been playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons with kids. Uh, I've been doing that. I've done it two or three times in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I've been uh, reading up on it and talking to my friends and family about it and getting some advice. Uh, and uh, playing... Uh, role-playing games with kids is a different monster than playing with adults or teenagers. Uh, you've got to really keep them focused. And uh, I find that the best thing is kind of a straightforward dungeon crawl where any interaction they have is going to be kind of an adversarial interaction. And that's because... You know, I've been playing with uh, a bunch of 10-year-old boys, and they are, by their nature, adversary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, adults so. adults, like, adults like puzzle games, but um, I think they might be a little, a little hard to keep the kids focused on a puzzle game. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, the kids were fine with puzzles. They uh, they like trying to figure stuff out, and they like thinking creatively. Like, uh, in one game, this uh, kid, he's, oh, nine or ten years old, but they were fighting a bugbear, and he knew from basically uh, what he had heard about from his dad and things like that, that bugbears were big and mean, and that they could really take out a first-level character real easy. And he looked at his inventory, and he found that he had a piece of chalk. So he said, I'm going to crush the chalk in my hand and throw it in the bugbear's face. And 
because he treated the fight like a puzzle, they were able to get through that fight real easy because then the bugbear was blinded for the fight. Whereas if yeah. he just charged in, he you know, he was a wizard, he would have been knocked out real quick. Yeah, and you gotta reward a kid for that creativity. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, he it worked out really well. The 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 reason I think it's best for you to have adversarial roles is because a kid isn't really interested in role playing out a friendly interaction. They wanna they wanna be adversarial by by the, the nature of it. If they're if they're finding a merchant, they'd rather fight the merchant or take the merchant's stuff than try to uh, barter with the merchant or things of that nature. Whereas if they find uh, a goblin, you can still do some role playing there because they're trying to intimidate it or bribe it or scare it away or, or any number of things. It's okay so to be when... adversarial. <laughs> so I ran a, a not a D&D game, it was a, a Dungeon Crawl classic game for um, ages, I guess at the time, 7 to, I, I, guess, I think Liz was 13 at the time. So 7 to 13, and it was set in a prehistoric time, and I had given them, the task was the fire had run out in the village and they had to go to where they could see smoke on an island that was nearby. And they mm. lived in a fishing town, and there was a guy that had a boat and they had mm -hmm. asked if there was somebody that had a boat and I said yes and so they went and killed the guy and took the boat <laughs> and yeah. I mean this was just <laughs> I was like and then I don't remember when it was but I don't know it was like later not even in that game but months later our, uh, my nephew came to me and he goes we probably could have just asked to borrow that boat huh <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure he would have loaned it to you to give fire. <laughs> probably would have been a lot better to have him navigate <laughs> since it was his boat. <laughs> so it was just, I mean, it was just so weird because all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, we probably could have just done that. <laughs> but yeah, and it just it turned into this bloodbath where it was like, I hate PvP in games. I'm not. I'm not a big fan with with you know Dungeons and Dragons or those kind of games having PvP in them, and it, it turned into that. And I'm just like, well, they're having fun, and this was just going to be a little one-off adventure kind of thing anyway. So I just let him do it. But it was the youngest. He's like, nope, I'm leaving y'all behind, and I'm going to go get fire. So he just jumps in the boat and takes off. <laughs> well, the the three oldest ones were you know to the death, and of course this was treated as a DCC funnel, so everybody had three characters or whatever so they had all kinds of characters to <laughs> to kill off uh, yep. it was it was a mess <laughs> but yeah just oh yeah <laughs> you know we probably could have just asked for it we probably knew him right <laughs> never really liked that guy anyhow <laughs> guess not <laughs> yeah uh it's been my experience that it's not always the youngest who's the, what's the word I'm looking for, most random or adversarial or, or at least mature. Uh, it is oftentimes the oldest <laughs> at the table who is. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I played a game with, uh, you know, a couple 13-year-old boys and 
a couple of dads and a nine-year-old girl. And the nine-year-old girl was by far the best player at the table. Like, I was just sitting there going, man, I just invite her to my regular D&D group and be happy. I find that uh, usually what causes the worst, though, is when you have two friends play together. Two kids who are friends play together. Because they really want to uh, get, at, you know, under each other's skins oftentimes. So when you have two, two of them that are close to age, like if you had those two 13-year-olds, I don't know if they were friends or not, but oftentimes the ones that are close to age that, that can get underneath each other's skins leads to the worst uh, adversary. Yeah. Uh, didn't have that. I think, uh, I think one of the 13-year-olds played the, the, the brooding, dark anti-hero warrior <laughs> and the other one played, a, and he was like real serious about the whole thing. And the other one played a rogue and named him Trusty but not a thief. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> <That'd be> awesome. <laughs> <sighs> okay, Megan, what's been causing you to geek out lately? Um, I have discovered this thing on on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is always the most dangerous thing to bring up. But uh, it is a, a group of people who have rebranded YouTube into BookTube, which I feel like is the only one that I'm familiar with where they've actually rebranded the, the website and they're like, on the BookTube, but it's a bunch of YouTubers who discuss books and been watching a lot of, you know, reviews and, and you know, quick looks and, and getting excited about reading. Unfortunately, if you remember last podcast where I talked about how I'm, you know, really busy and don't have a lot of time, it turns out that, you know, watching a five-minute video doesn't take a huge amount of investment, but then, you know, going and reading the five books that they recommended in that five-minute video, uh, it doesn't balance very well. So I've been doing a lot of, like, wish list making and uh, very little reading so far. But I spent probably the better part of two hours with a friend in, in Barnes & Noble the other day just going. And like every aisle, I found like three books that I had recently learned about. Like within the past, you know, couple of weeks learned about. Um, so I apparently have spent too much time watching those videos. <laughs> 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 oh, but, uh. I, I, I have been reading a little bit more. I'm hoping to uh, get some more time. I feel like winter is the time where I just start to hunker down and just want to read. So maybe that's the reason that I've I've navigated to this particular area of YouTube. Uh, so so I, I just want to be I want to be clear here. What you're saying is you spent too much time watching videos about reading books. So you don't have time to read books. Mm hmm. No, okay. here's the greatest thing. In college, <laughs> in college, I didn't want to read for class. But I, I still wanted to read, you know, novels and such. But whenever I started trying to read, you know, for myself, I felt guilty because I wasn't reading for class. So instead, I would just watch YouTube videos. So it all started back in college. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a familiar story. Except not reading, just with other stuff that I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy to talk yourself into a five minute YouTube video that turns into 
five five minute YouTube videos or whatever. Um, fifty five minute YouTube videos. Fifty five. Yeah, I mean, you know. That's the problem with five-minute five YouTube videos turn into, like, you know, three hours of watch time for me often. Um, but uh, the the three YouTubers I want to mention, and they all do a podcast together, which I support podcasts, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to mention them. But their three separate cha channels are Caddytastic, uh, Jesse the Reader, and then my personal favorite uh, YouTube channel name is Poland Bananas Books. I just, you know, right. you can't argue with that. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Bananas books. But they, uh, they uh, all have really in enjoyable, engaging videos and commentaries beyond just, you know. I've, I've found a few of them that just feel like, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, looking at a, like a blog post of, you know, recommended uh books rather than you know getting entertained and these people are really entertainers first and and you know book reviewers and and you know collectors second i feel like even if you're not really interested in the books themselves you still find their videos entertaining so that's why i particularly wanted to recommend those three all right yes it's um it's kind of funny we um i you know i used to be a, a very avid reader and like in the last few years I think it's one of those things that I go through phases. I obviously, like, right after I left college, I didn't read a whole lot um, for a couple of years. Liz, of course, we've talked about this. She's a huge reader. She goes through multiple books in a week. And she checked out, speaking of YouTubers and books, she checked out The Fault in Our Stars from the library mm -hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to read this. <laughs> Made it through one chapter. And it's still sitting there with my bookmark at one chapter. I was like, I really need to just pick it up and read it. Yeah. I've read a couple of his books. I haven't it's read that one. It's definitely, read. in my opinion, it's it's the best of uh, John Green's works. Um, yeah, I've read Looking. I've I've read Looking for Alaska, and I've read An Abundance of Catherine's, and I really liked Looking for Alaska. Um, I I don't remember much about An Abundance of Catherine's, yeah. but I don't remember liking it nearly as much as I did Looking for Alaska. Oddly enough, um, I feel like Looking for Alaska, which I believe was his first, uh, yes, it was, uh, is my well, second favorite. Okay, so and that's the one he won. He won the Prince Award for it, which is why it was even on on my radar. Because at mm -hmm. that point, John Green, I mean, he, I think he was maybe vlogging, but he would have just started. Yeah. I think he was vlogging a lot, but I didn't know who he was at all, and and. You know, I, I knew him first as an author before I ever knew him as a YouTube personality. But just before I, we started recording tonight, Liz was watching John Green's recommendations of books that people should read. <laughs> and I thought See, that was kind of funny. We're we're connected. <laughs> we know we know what's we know what's up. I thought that was kind of problem funny, is, so. is she's actually reading those books and I'm just like <laughs> staring at covers being like oh it's so pretty <laughs> well there was one there was one and i'm like i'm gonna see who's read more of these books and it was actually hank green doing this one it was like you know books that he recommends or something and oh no it was a song hank green did a song about how these all these ya books aren't harry potter um okay. and and so we're, we're looking at the book covers that are flashing up and i was so proud because i still have read two more of those books than she has 
that he mentioned in the song. So I'm like, I'm still winning! <laughs> but that's not for long, because she's reading so much more. And of course, you know, she's just started reading young adult books in the last couple of years, and I read them for years and years and years, because I worked with teens and <laughs> all of that. So I was I was proud for a short period of time more. I'm still beating her on, on the amount of books that, that I've read versus her in some song video. <laughs> take my victories where I can. But admit it, you'll be proud when she beats you, too. Oh, well, I, I'm glad. I mean, she, she, uh, I was, I was a pretty big reader as a teenager, but I think she just blows me out of the water with how much she reads. See, my problem is, I'm a slow reader, and usually slow readers have much better, like, memory retentions. I don't have that either, so, <laughs> like, it could take me, like, a, you know several weeks to get halfway through a book and if I get distracted and put it down and I pick it up later then I feel like I have to read that first half of the book again before I can continue with the story because I don't remember anything from the first half of the book at that point so sometimes it can take me a very long time to get through a book and I'll have several false starts where I'll, I'll read a few chapters and I'll put it down and I'll pick it up a couple months later and then feel like I just have to start over yeah, I'm like that too. I, I and I don't remember like if I reread a book, unless it's one I have read multiple multiple times, I remember very little about the book. I might remember a character's name or I might remember a setting, but for me to remember what exactly happened, you know, a lot of times I'll remember the end, but I can't remember how they got there. A lot of times I don't even remember that. Um and <laughs> it's um I I don't know why. Um because I remember other stuff, but, but books for some reason. Uh, I mean, they really have to just have struck me in some sort of way for me to remember a whole lot about them. Typically speaking for me, I will start a book here and start a book there and start a book here and start a book there. And it'll take me, you know, uh, a week or two to read through the first couple of chapters even. And then every once in a while... I will get that one book or get to that one point in one book where it hooks me. And at that point, the book is done, like with the next 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's my two reading levels. It's either, I mean, barely at all, or it is all-consuming, and I have to spend every waking minute reading this book until it's gone. I tend to finish every book I start, whether I like it or not. I can't understand that, really. No, I can't either. <laughs> I used to. I used to be the same way, though. Um, I, I, especially, and I think a lot of that. I mean, even even before I was working in a library, but definitely after I started working in a library, I would like see every book through um, that I started. But I gave up on that. I don't do that anymore. Also, I don't always want to read real good books. Sometimes I just want to read a book that's got a fast narrative and some action and you know and then after I read one of those I'll pick up you know a real good science fiction or fantasy book that's you know really good literature you know and uh, and I'll go oh man this is good you know <laughs> but after I got through it you know what I'm saying I'm not ready for another real good book you know, I want something just to escape you gotta have that palate cleanse <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Get your, get your, some, uh, you know, James Fenimore Cooper in between my Melville and my Faulkner. Yeah. 
They, they, uh, Except I don't read any of those anymore. In the movie world, those are called uh, popcorn flicks. So, yep. Those are your those are your popcorn books. Every once in a while, I'll be like, "All right, just finished watching the moon. I think next on the list is gonna be Kung Fury." Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. I think my reasoning for wanting to see books through to the end, especially like things like, I mean, I've read all the way through, well, I say I read, I've skimmed all the way through the Twilight series. And I think the reason I did that is because I wanted to be educated when I, you know, explain to people the problems the series had. I didn't want to just blindly hate it. I wanted to actually know what was wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate people that just like hate things that they don't um, have any like actual educated reasons for hating it. They're just kind of, you know. You want to have an educated hate. I want to have an educated hate. <laughs> I feel like that's the more that's the that's the uh, that's the lesser of the hates. The educated hate. <laughs> I, I, I made a lot of people mad with that book because I read three and a half books exactly. Like I read the first. I read the first three, and then I made it halfway through the fourth, and I'm like, I am just done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there is no I reason for me to end this series. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> I did the opposite. I made it through the first half, and I was like, all right, that's enough education for me. I hate it. <laughs> I think I think Devin read one chapter, and he's like, nope. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> well, once I start a book, I usually finish it, so I'm very careful not to start the Twilight series. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be sucked in, Dad. You'll be like, what's going to happen next? Who will she choose? Meow. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right. Meow. <laughs> Through task lists and cloaks and uh, I don't know what else we talked about and cats meowing and freaking role playing games and books and we finally made it to the end of what's caused us to geek out lately. <laughs> was quite the segment. <laughs> we are going to take a break and we're going to come back real shortly. You're listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. For more episodes, visit our website at relatedtogeeks.com, our YouTube channel, or our Tumblr blog. Alright everybody, welcome back. Our topic for this week is geek nostalgia. We figured going into the holiday season, time to reflect back on our yesteryears, our, our times of young geekdom, of, of just, just the magical geekiness that we grew up with and uh, were allowed to experience thanks to our awesome parents who were super geeky as well and shared those times with us. So. This is going to be a fun one, and I'm going to open it up for conversation right now. Geek Nostalgia. Everybody jump in. Well, I think, for me, the big geek nostalgia, and uh, I got to relive this recently, is Hero Quest. 
And mom and dad bought my brother and I a Hero Quest when we were like 10 and 11 years old. And we just dug it. We got so far into it. We played every quest in the base game and bought the expansions and played all of those games and then just made up our own quests and played those games. And of course that led right into Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, it's hard for me to be nostalgic about Dungeons and Dragons because I kind of just never stopped playing Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, Hero Quest, I can still be real nostalgic about. And a few years ago, Carl, my brother, got it for me for my birthday. I've got it up in my closet now, and every once in a while I'll get it out and I'll play it with some friends, and it's still absolutely amazing. Yeah, I even remember playing that with y'all a couple of times when, when you first had it as kids. So. Yep. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I've actually... <laughs> I've actually worked on a game design kind of based off of that uh, recently, and uh, I sat down with my brother and played it, and uh, I need to pick back up on that design because it was highly enjoyable. It focused a little bit more on teamwork and team roles and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that... uh you, you found it hard to be nostalgic about, like, D&D because you still play it so much. And I, I kind of feel that way about uh, HeroQuest. Not that I play it a huge amount now, but I, I feel like I've played it a pretty consistent amount through the years. And so that one didn't even really enter my radar when I was thinking about things that really make me nostalgic. It makes me excited. I'm always excited to play HeroQuest. But uh, I don't have that same nostalgia. But you probably played it a lot. Uh, yeah. Whereas I was always kind of just still a casual player back then. The thing about Hero Quest is that although it's like a role playing veneer, it's really a strategy game. And it's really a cooperative strategy game. So you're playing, the team is playing against the game. Um, and uh, so you can role play in it, you know, but it's not the mechanics of the game, it's just laid on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the closest thing that really comes to the role-playing element is the idea of having, you know, a dungeon master who controls all the monsters while the other people control a single hero. And it gets that feeling, you know. I think there's just slight role-playing elements in there because of that. You can take on a role and work with your team based on that role, but taking on that role doesn't give you any extra abilities or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. still strategy. Still strategy moving it's uh, in in a sense more like um uh battle games or war games except it's in a dungeon setting and and it's in a fantasy setting with monsters instead of enemies but very interesting game so on that note i want to mention the dragon strike board game because it was very similar to Hero Quest in a lot of ways. And I, it's been a long time since I've played it. But what I recently discovered online is the VHS that oh, they released yes. with it, which was like a, a short, supposedly instructional video, but it was really just kind of a, a comical narrative of the quote-unquote story of the game. And it Let's is just, fantastic. 
Let's just call it what it is. It's a palate cleanser. Oh, it's <laughs> it's the best of palate cleansers, though. Man. I tell you, you oh. watch something like... You watch something like Fox and the Hound, and you feel like the world is just the worst place ever, and you're just going to cry for like a year, and then you turn around, you watch that, and you're fine. It's going to be great. Yep. <laughs> It is. I don't even know it. I don't even know anything about it or what you're talking about. So we'll link it. So <laughs> yeah, we'll link it so, so hard. Strike, <laughs> yeah, Dragon Strike was D and D the board game, and it was very, very modeled after uh, earlier edition of Dungeons and Dragons. I think Second Ed, and uh, they did a little uh, video where it followed the adventures of an adventuring party in Dragon Strike, <laughs> and let me tell you. It is one probably in my top three D and D movies of all time, <laughs> but it is it is awful. It is it is. It is. <laughs> it's so bad it's good, John. Oh, no, it is fantastic bad, fantastic bad. <laughs> oh goodness! Like I'm, I, as soon as I get off this phone, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But anyway, I had to bring that up. It was it was important yep. to me. <laughs> One of my nostalgia things, which is um, probably gonna maybe show my age a little bit, but when I was a younger younger me, probably about seven or so, Dad used to take me up to the college, and we would go um, get on the computers, and I would I would play uh, with the logo programming, and I'm pretty sure I called it Turtle Turtle Graphics or um, I, I don't that. know what I called. I probably just called it drawing with the turtle, but <laughs> man, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Well, that that leads into my game nostalgia, which is the eight-bit uh, Atari computers. And uh, in my opinion, um, they were a lot better than the much more popular Commodore computers. But Atari was like overwhelmed by their own success in the game market their console games dominated and so people didn't really realize that the atari 400 and 800 were actually usable computers but they did have cartridges and you could plug games into them and that was that's where a lot of the nostalgia uh for the atari uh computers comes is those uh console games that you could play on them I think my big nostalgia console game was probably going to be the Nintendo, and specifically one game, which would be River City Ransom. And man, uh, Carl and I, my brother Carl and I, we would just play the heck out of that game growing up. And yeah, it's, you know, uh, beat 'em up meets RPG, and it was probably, in my opinion, well, definitely, in my opinion, the best game on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and uh, probably going to be in anyone's top ten list who's ever played it. My nostalgia console of choice is DOS. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Megan, I am older than you. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I, I'm with Dad with the, the Atari, because that's definitely, I mean, we had an Atari 2600, and then we had 
the Atari 400, which was the computer, and then the Atari 800 XL, which was a, a more advanced computer. computer. That 16 was that a 16 bit? The uh, no, it just it just had a better keyboard. Yeah, it did have a better keyboard because <laughs> the Atari it 400 been, had a. It may have been a little faster or had a little more RAM, but yeah. who knew? You know, um, the uh, Vivian would agree with with Megan on DOS. Uh, Vivian used to love to play Hack and Net Hack and those adventure games that are text-based. Yes, I like yep. to play the accounting program. <laughs> I was good at that game. <laughs> I know this story. <laughs> um, to be fair, Kira, though, a lot of what I did play on, on DOS were Nintendo ROMs. So, I mean, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> splitting hairs there a little bit. But, uh, I, I mean, I think the... If I were to pick a specific game that just like oozed nostalgia for me, it would be Doom. Um, Doom. Doom. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be a big one for me too. Just. Commander Keen. Also good. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Of, I, I played a lot of Commander Keen. Did you ever get into making your own levels, Megan? Mm, or... On Doom or on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember playing some ones that you worked on, but I'm not sure if I ever really got invested to that point. Yeah. I just liked shooting things. I was obsessed with that level maker. I remember, I don't know how old I was. I was a young, too young to be playing Doom, most likely. Um, but I remember I had played with cheats for the longest time. And I would forget them, and I would ask Kier to enter in the cheats for me, and he just got sick of it. And so he was just like, just try playing without the cheats. Just try it. And I played it without the cheats, and I beat, like, you know, Doom 2 in, in a couple of days. Which apparently yep. is still, to some people, preposterous that you can beat Doom 2 without cheats, which I never understood because I never thought it was that difficult. But some people are, like, really struggle with that game. I once killed I did, an afternoon. Yeah, I, <laughs> I once killed an afternoon uh, killing a uh, cyber demon with a pistol just to see if it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Just dodging missiles. I mean, it took like three hours just shooting it with a pistol over and over again. And eventually, I killed it. And I was like, "Yep, yeah. all right, I did Worth that. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was. When I was younger and had a longer attention span. <laughs> well, I will say, I picked up, like, years after, you know, not playing it for the longest time, I picked up Doom again, and I was just like, something's off. I can't figure out what's wrong, but this this version of Doom isn't working the way I remember Doom working, and I kept trying to play it, and it just wasn't working, and then I realized I, I hadn't been strafing for any of the game, and that's really, like, 90% of the game. So oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is really important. But I played through a huge chunk of it without strafing. And I was just like, oh, this is way easier now. So yeah. I wonder if people just didn't understand the strafe mechanic and playing that game. And that's why they struggled so hard. <laughs> now, going back to it, I I can't play it anymore. Uh, like the, the original Doom, Doom 2, that kind of stuff. Because I just... I it's weird that I cannot look up and down, mm. and uh, yep. So just throws you off. 
Yep. I'm not nostalgic for the, the, the no looking up and down. <laughs> oh, I can I can still play it. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Now, recently, um, I say recently, like towards the end of the Doom 2 life that I was really playing it, some guy released a mod that allowed you to look up and down mm-hmm. and, and actually aim and fire. And uh, that was totally worth it. <laughs> There's a ton of mods for it. Oh, yeah. Oh. I never did see the Doom movie. Did you ever see the Doom movie? Was that worth watching? Um, Just YouTube the first person perspective part of it, and that's pretty much all you need to watch. The okay. part that they filmed in first person perspective is actually pretty enjoyable, but it only lasts like three minutes. But I have seen the movie. I got really excited for the first person perspective part. And remembered nothing else about that movie. I actually, speaking back on, on books that I would consume in like a day I read through the entire Doom novels I think I still have them Ooh. they're really bad I'm sensing a pattern with you Kier <laughs> here's this thing that I like that I really hate now <laughs> it was really awful but I loved it <laughs> Well, uh, Star Trek was really awful, and I was never really into it. And I've never been really nostalgic for Star Trek. Some of the, some of the later versions were better, and I think they're um, talking about doing another Star Trek now. But uh, um, the thing I am nostalgic for in my geek television nostalgia is Batman with Adam West. Now that is actually out of my high school age childhood, and uh, and it never went away. People still love how camped out it was, and how just off the wall the Adam West Batman was. I actually recently watched a few episodes of that with Wendy. I think Wendy's still a little young for it; she doesn't quite get it, <laughs> and doesn't enjoy it in the way that I do. Cause she's like, "Dad, this is real stupid." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The only the only show comparable that was similar was Get Smart. I never did watch any of that. I mean, I've heard I've heard the name, and I know they recently did a movie. Yeah, you should watch Get Smart sometime. It's yeah. also stupid. <laughs> You'd love it. I was trying to explain Wendy. Yeah, I know it's stupid. That's why it's good. But she just didn't get it. <laughs> He was like, can we watch Bill Nye instead? And I was like, yeah, I'm nostalgic about that, too. That's yeah, fun. I was totally about to bring up Bill Nye. I was totally about to just cut you off and be like, okay, so nostalgic things. Bill Nye, yeah, that. <laughs> because that's one for me, for sure. <laughs> Bill Nye with Wendy as well. She loves Bill Nye as much as I did. So oh. that's awesome. Yeah. I love I love being able to share the things that I was nostalgic about with uh, my daughter, and I love it whenever she's all excited about it, too. It's always kind of disappointing, though, whenever she's like, you know, Dad, could we just not do this? That's <laughs> 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 just... Wendy just knows what she likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also want to just throw out just a blanket nostalgia for PBS in general. There's too many shows to list, but mm-hmm. PBS in general just 
that was what I was raised on as far as television. I didn't, I didn't do the 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 Nickelodeons or the Disney's. I did my my public broadcast, and it was great. Yep. There are there are shows to list, but at the top of that list is Arthur. Arthur's absolutely up there. Uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, Sesame Three. Oh, it's just the too many, it's too many. Zoom. I remember Zoom. Zoom was awesome. Yeah. Of course, when I was young, there was the Electric Company, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, they tried to reboot that one later, and it was not the Electric Company. I do know that. Like when Liz was little, they tried to reboot it, and I was like, this is not. I would rather them just show the old shows. Um, but um, reading yeah, Rainbow like, is bad. Yes. Um, of course, Reading Rainbow and all of those were, I was I was kind of at the upper age limit for that when that came out. But I still watched it because I thought it was an awesome show. Um, and uh, there is, of course, a cross-reference to Star Trek there because of Geordi. Yep. Next, Reading Rainbow was before TNG, so. And oh. during. And after. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know. Whenever he uh, kickstarted it, one of the awards that you could go for was having dinner with Lavar Burton, and he would bust out the visor and would let you wear it. And that was one of the things. If you wanted to back, however, it was a ridiculous amount, but it was totally sure. worth it to some people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. And also, still. <laughs> also, in the next generation was Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. Who remains geeky? Yes. Yeah. My, I remember watching a lot of like Nova and the um, the National Geographic specials that PBS would show um, when I was a kid. I really liked both of those shows a lot, especially I think the the National Geographic animal shows. Well, we got a, we got one of these uh, smart TVs, you know. And so I started watching, you know, like a lot of TED Talks and Elvis stuff like that. I didn't want my TV to think I was stupid. <laughs> On that same train, uh, the uh, the show that popped up in my mind that I'm super nostalgic for, and. I don't really know why. I still don't know why I love this show as much as I do. But can we all just agree that Antiques Roadshow is fantastic? Oh, man. That's the best. And the British version is even better than the American version. Well, that's the case with most things. I will still stand by that I think British office is way better than the American office. I may be in the minority there, but, you know. <laughs> I I didn't I watch say. all the way through this the office series um the british one but when i started watching the american one i was like the british one is so much better and and i got into arguments with people about it um but i I didn't see how it ended so it was probably one of those arguments that i probably shouldn't have been having because i didn't watch the whole yeah you have to be educated you have to be educated to hate (laughs) i didn't hate it i mean we watched all of the office we watched all however many millions of seasons it was but I did not watch all of the British series that's the that's where I fell down like because I was watching them with Devin and he lost interest in the British so because 
he started watching the American version, I think. And he liked it better. That fool. <laughs> well, I can say with absolute certainty that the British Doctor Who is better than the American Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who was it was not... It's, it's funny, I'm nostalgic for a show I hated. Like, I absolutely just did not enjoy watching Doctor Who. But we did it. <laughs> like, Sunday mornings, you know, I can remember everybody getting together and watching Doctor Who, and, and I kind of felt like I was being forced to watch it. But, like, in my older years, I'm super nostalgic for it. And I haven't watched Doctor Who since then. So, it's, it's kind of one of those weird... Those weird things that happen. They're just making sure you were educated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked K9. I think Mm -hmm. I think K9 got me to watch it more than anything else. But uh, didn't K9 have his own show for a while? Uh, yeah, I think there was like a spinoff with K9 and maybe Sarah. I don't know. No, I know that there was that, but I like like I think there was either a, a movie or a show that was again geared more towards kids. That was just the adventures of Doctor Who's robot dog. Oh, I don't know about that. There may be. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you've been around as long as Doctor Who has, you have some weird spinoffs. So <laughs> it just comes with the territory. It's like the movie Doctor Who and the Daleks, in which Doctor Who does not appear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like, Sarah, on what you said about being nostalgic about a show that you don't really like, I feel like that's the X-Files for me. Like, I remember Mom watching the X-Files, and something about that show, like, always brings me back to childhood, and there's something about that, but I don't know if I could ever really sit down and watch it. Yeah, that was Uh, something that I was... Not in, I mean, I was definitely an adult by the time the X Files was was out, and I I had friends that watched it every week, like they had to be home to watch it, and it was never anything that interested me. And even I mean, re- recently, like in the past few years, because um, Devin never really watched it either, and so the three of us sat down to watch it, and I don't think we made it through two episodes. So I just. <laughs> I don't know. I know there's a lot of people out there who love it, but it was not anything that ever captured my attention very well. Uh, Rosemary, my wife, Rosemary, uh, is a huge X-Files fan. And she was one of those people who had to watch it every single week as soon as it came out. Uh, It was to the point where uh, when she got into big trouble one time... Her parents grounded her for one hour during the week, and it was the hour X Files was on. She just hated them. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that is the worst punishment you could ever do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, actually uh, recently revisited it, and I think we've made it through the first season so far, and uh, we'll probably continue watching it. So, yeah, I haven't um, tried it I- as an adult. Like, yeah. recently, I have not tried it. Um, but I remember trying to watch it with Mom, and I was just like, nope, not for me. Yeah. I mean, you'd think, like, after season three, school would be like, all right, maybe there's some aliens. 
you know, I mean, maybe there doesn't have to be a reasonable scientific explanation for this that could be explained here on Earth. Maybe, just maybe, it's actually a demon from hell. <laughs> Dad, are you talking? <laughs> no. You, you sound like you were about a mile away from the microphone. <laughs> it sounds like you're across the room shouting at like a, like... I like the sequel a lot better. The Y Files. The Y Files. <laughs> I, think well, I think on that note. <laughs> I think at some point in the middle of that, I realized what he was saying. I could barely hear him, and I realized what he was saying. I, for, I, I forgot it. which microphone I was using. <laughs> <laughs> This is only a problem in your house, Dad. There's <laughs> microphones everywhere. I do have over 100 microphones. <laughs> this is the definition of geek obsession. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, so I'm going to throw out one more thing before we wrap up this topic, but I feel like with this particular group, we have to mention it before we wrap up this topic. But Hercules, the Legendary Journeys, and Xena, oh. Warrior Princess. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if more needs to be said than that, but... Yes, of course. No. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. <laughs> I, uh, I totally recently started watching that again, and I will tell you this. Rosemary 100% does not get it. <laughs> Doesn't get it. <laughs> yep, she's just like, this is the dumbest show. And I'm like, I know, isn't it great? I. I was never a the mighty, I was... He's very tidy. I, I, I'm that naysayer again because I was not a big fan of it at all. Um, it's a, it's a when the things get grim, like he'll take dog. it on the chin. <laughs> I'm sure I am. I'm sure I am. <laughs> but um, I think also the first time I watched it, it was definitely like well into the series and all of that. I don't think that I watched it at the beginning. Well, Sorry, that's probably just, the correct way to do You just watch a bit random. Just and Sarah, you just have to watch the Xena version of Groundhog Day. You must watch the Xena version of Groundhog Day, and then you will get it. It all makes sense. <laughs> I did no. not know there was such a thing. So. Here's how I recommend watching Hercules and Xena now to try to like get into it and really kind of understand Go and go and find like a a recommended marathon list or a best of or something like that, and just jump to those specific episodes, because it really isn't serialized in any way. Um, it's very standalone. There's very little that you'll miss um, by jumping around like that. Until the end of the Xena series. Yeah, at the very end of Xena, it does turn that. The course a little bit from the show. Uh, previous. But like, 
one one episode they'd be in the French Revolution. One episode they'd be in L.A. I mean, they were there at the birth of Christ, and they were there for every major mythological event that ever happened. You know, there is no attempt to be chronologically correct. So I think this is how I watched Hercules and Xena. I think it came on about the time that I moved away. And I think that whenever I would visit home, y'all would watch Xena or Hercules or whatever was on, and I'd be like, I do not get this. <laughs> that was basically the 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 whole the whole thing of it was this was just it was it never it never captured me at all. And also, once again, I like the sequel better. Hercules in Space. Also known as Andromeda. <laughs> You know, I never watched that one. I watched uh, oh, Andromeda. Great, and it really does have a arc. You really want to go start to finish. Andromeda is great. All right, I'll I'll have to add that to my list of shows to watch. A never-ending list. Yep. All right. <laughs> well, I feel I feel satisfied. I just I couldn't I couldn't end that topic without bringing up Hercules and Xena. It would it would have hurt me and my soul. Agreed. So anyway. If there's nothing else, anything else? We're good? good. Just pretty much any time, randomly, we'll start talking about something from our childhood. So it's not like this is the last time we're going to talk about (laughs) things that are nostalgic to us. It's just, we wanted a a focused time to talk about some specific things that we haven't brought up before or only brought up in small doses. So now that we're done with our topic of the week, we're going to take another short break and we're going to come back with our picks of the week. Be back real soon. Download the podcast MP3s at our website, relatedtogeeks.com. You can also listen on our YouTube channel and our Tumblr. We link to everything we talk about in our show notes. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are going to wrap up this show, as always, with our picks of the week, and we're going to start with Kier. What is your pick of the week? My pick of the week actually comes from a game that I played for the first time tonight. Uh, my buddy Brandon was so nice to purchase a $300 game that I've been wanting to try. And <laughs> I was one of the lucky people that uh, uh, he chose to come try it out for the first time. That's Kingdom Death. And it is a miniature strategy, giant monster hunting take the muscles and bones and make new better armor and weapons so that you can go fight bigger monsters and build up your town and it's a big campaign cooperative I don't know monster hunter the board game and man the miniatures are so cool my buddy is also uh, a fantastic painter so uh, I'll see if I can grab some pictures of the miniatures that he's painted and uh, post him up with the the links because uh, he's done the effects where uh, he's painted the lantern light on the stone floor and reflecting off of the the people carrying the lanterns, and it's just a really cool effect. So do you know who publishes that game? No clue. Okay. I know it was kickstarted. I want to say it's kind of uh, an indie publisher, but I could be wrong. 
Uh, most board game publishers are kind of indie publishers, so it doesn't narrow it down a whole lot. <laughs> I know that the bulk of the the money for it was just the sheer number of miniatures that you got with it. And yeah. it's one of those games that... I mean, the, the, the guy who created the game really tried to take that video game feel where you upgrade your character and you get new armor and weapons and things like that and translate it into the board game because it comes with four heroes out the box and those four heroes are upgradable throughout the game. So there's like, I don't know, three or four different armor sets for them. So oh, you end wow. up with like 16 heroes and there's expansions you can get to get additional heroes with all the different armor sets and weapons and things like that. And uh, it's That's very pretty much cool. Game. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay, I just had an idea for a uh, print-and-play game that's yeah. similar idea, you know, it would be like paper dolls. Mm-hmm. Print-and-play paper dolls, and you can change armor, you know. Yeah. Be cool. I've played a lot of uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, and there's so many of these already existing comic book hero paper doll creators and there are so many yeah and there's so many uh uh print on demand uh game services like the game crafter and i think two cows does it Uh and another card shop that does it i can't remember what it's called but uh i would love to see the sentinels come up with some means of creating your own superhero and then you know, using some kind of standard deck builder, choose two types of powers or something like that, and then you upload, upload your graphics, and it just makes you a custom superhero deck based on your own superhero. That's a thing that I think should exist. So, come on, Sentinels of the Multiverse designers, get on it. <laughs> get with it. <laughs> <laughs> they're clearly they're clearly um, amongst our listeners, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you're just sitting there like, ah, when's the when's the next related geeks podcast coming out? When's the next one? <laughs> I need it. I need it now. <laughs> I, I do believe I've actually met one of oh. the designers of Sentinels, but well, yeah. did you tell him what he needed to make? <laughs> it was two years ago. Or you missed your chance. <laughs> and I'm not even sure that I met one of the designers, but I met people from the publishing company that do it. Because they're a St. Louis company. And if you've listened at all, you realize that we go to St. Louis a lot. We should just leave them a note. Like, go up to their <laughs> door and, like, put a post-it there. To, and be uh, like, make this. To clarify the importance of the Related Geek podcast, in the early days of the Flying Hungarians, anytime we would add a song to our repertoire, someone would cover it and have a hit. They were watching us. You know what I'm saying? We'd add a song. Next thing you know, someone else would cover it and be on the radio. So be careful what you say. Just tell them. <laughs> They're listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a really good game idea, you might not want to mention it on Related to Geeks podcast. <laughs> It'll be everywhere. <laughs> I think I think the NSA might be listening. Well, that's, I mean, that's, for certain I mean no I don't mean just capturing I think they're actually listening 
No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's really, it's really like at this point, just family, close friends in the NSA. Yeah. 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 And and the creators of Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yeah. That's our audience. That's our our target audience. It's real niche. (laughs) And, you know, hip hop, hip hop artists trying to come up with the next thing. Just wait. You'll turn on the radio and it'll be Jack's the Rat. (laughs) 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 All right. So, Kier, you're done. Um, Dad, I feel like you're still in the show anyway, so what's your pick? Okay, I'm going back to my geek out. Um, When I was looking for a place to host demo of my new DPL program, Personal Task Manager. I didn't really want to put it on um, one of my web posts because when you put up a demo like that, sometimes bad things happen. So I wanted to find some free web hosting. And I found this just by, you know, looking around and trying different ones. And I found a real good one. It's called Awardspace at awardspace.com. And they give you free web hosting with PHP and MySQL, and it's limited disk space and limited bandwidth, but way more than most personal websites are ever going to need. And um, they also include a WordPress or a Zoomla install, you know. But you can also just upload your own stuff, too. So, but, I mean, you're auto-installed, so I auto-install the WordPress. The... uh, thing about it is, though, is that they do not provide a subdomain for you or anything. You have to have a domain name. So, of course, I was trying to avoid $10 a year. So I started looking for free domains. They recommended a .tk free domain, but I never could get that to work. But I did find this uh, registry.cu.cc that gives free domains. They said up to 100 free domains with the .cu.cc um, and I've been wanting to get mixremix.cc I used to have mixremix.com and over the years that's the only domain I've ever lost through neglect and it it's hurt me ever since and now I am no longer I wanted to get mixremix.cc because Creative Commons and use it to host Creative Commons or reusable content, either public domain or Creative Commons or whatever license, you know. Um, but the CC domains are expensive. They're 20 or 30 bucks a year. So I got the mixremix.cu.cc for free. This is the deal. They, okay, the award space, they give you free web hosting, but then they'll sell the regular web hosting for $2.99 a month business for five ninety nine, etc. you know so they're a business that's using the free web hosting as the gateway for their customers you get the free web hosting you see what a good service they have but you need to host more domains or something like that and so you pay three dollars a month registry.cu.cc is a little trickier to figure that out but they also allow you to upgrade to a paid account so what they've done is they have got the CU. This is just what I'm thinking. 
they have got the cu.cc as a top-level domain, just like co.uk. Okay? Mm -hmm. They've got that, and they own that. And then they also registered cu.cc as a domain under the .cc domain. That's costing them $20 a year to have cu.cc. So when you get a free domain, you don't get a who has registry because you are a subdomain off of their cu.cc. But since they also own the cu.cc top-level domain, if you want to move up to paid, then you get a regular domain under a top-level domain with all of that. I mean, who is listings and all of that entails. So it's a pretty clever way that they've managed to... Um, offer what are apparently you know regular domains just like my space.co.uk which is a very common you know a top level domain so um uh free domains and free web space and award space and registry.co.cc and you can have a WordPress and do PHP coding or install my new GPL code personal task manager. I have to say that I think that that's actually really I clever how they're doing doing the, the subdomain. I'm pretty uh, sure that's what they're doing. They kind of have to be to offer it as a paid domain and as a free domain and, that, and the clue was that, that the free domain has no who is listing. Yeah. So it's really, yeah. And I'll also say that, you know, I have, I feel like whenever you register a web URL, you should just pay the $10 a year for it forever because it comes out to very little money out of your pocket. And I always regret every domain that I've ever let go because I can never get it back now. Yeah, because once you let it go, it's already got traffic to it and someone's picked it up and they're trying to sell it for $200. Yep. You know, and I mean, I'm all about getting something back, but I don't want to spend 100 or 200 dollars to get something back and maybe not use it, you know. And I also uh didn't like the idea of mixremix.com. At the time, you know, you had a few choices and they were all the same price, you know. But uh really, the idea of mixremix is supposed to be reusable content. And the idea of .com is supposed to be your business. You know, um, yeah. I realize that isn't all exactly true anymore. I always recommend that whenever you get a domain, whether it's for a band or an organization or anything, that you always get the dot com because that's the thing people remember. It's the most common. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, uh, I like the dot cu dot cc. Also, um, uh, URLs the the rememberability of the URLs is no longer as important as it used to be because everybody links. Nobody types in the address bar anymore. Everybody searches and links. Well, I can say working at a newspaper, anytime I have to like type out a link to you know put in the newspaper, I'm just thinking, gosh, nobody's going to type all this in to go to this website. It's just yeah. too much. Even short ones, it feels like it's too much. Especially when you can just well, Google, like, you know, the, you know, u- unique mm-hmm. 
parts of it and be like, all right, that's it, found it. Well, I did um, just this last year um, come up with a new band name because, you know, George retired and Harry Lee and George. And, of course, when you're coming up with a new band name, you want to check that you can get a URL for that band. And it has to be something that you can say from the stage and the audience can remember. And so that means short and etc. And so my answer was the band name was Harry Larry's Merry Pranksters and my URL for Harry Larry's Merry Prank for Pranksters is hlmp.info. So in 2014, I picked up a four-letter domain name, hlmp.info. And I can say, for information about Harry Larry's Merry Pranksters, go to hlmp.info. One of the, the domains I regret letting go was I used to have uh, goblin.com with the missing eye. So it's kind of like a set of flicker where you get mm-hmm. you know, missing E. I had goblin with the missing eye. And I even had a logo done up with a goblin with a pirate patch because it was a mm-hmm. goblin with the missing eye. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I ended up uh, not renewing that because I was changing the, the, the name of my publishing from goblin games to wizard beard games mm-hmm. and uh wanted i let it go and man it's one of the domains that i really regret letting go because it was yeah. five letters it was memorable but, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's gone now and now it's hundreds of dollars <laughs> <laughs> so keep your domains people just keep yeah them. yeah this public service announcement brought to you by the Related to Geeks podcast? I was trying to come up with something more clever than that, but it's late. At relatedtogeeks.com. <laughs> Which we should never, ever let expire. Never. Okay. So, Megan, what have you been geeking out about lately? Or not, what's the, right, <laughs> <laughs> Just say that again, Kier. <laughs> All right, I'll try. So, Megan, what have you been geeking out of? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you did it perfectly. You said it exactly <laughs> the same time. <laughs> so, what's your pick of the week, Megan? <laughs> I say, in the middle of the laugh, so it'll be really hard to edit later. <laughs> He's not editing any of that out. That's gold right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, my pick of the week uh, is one that I am still trying to figure out if i if i love it or just really like it but i think i'm going to end up loving it based off the first two episodes but that's jessica jones on netflix i've just watched the first two episodes but it's really good i love the pacing i love the cinematography it's just a gorgeous show and i'm really enjoying what i've watched so far and i'm excited to watch more I feel like it's going to be one of those shows that wears you out. Oh, yeah. Just exhausting. Yeah, it's it's so good. But, man, you're just so tense throughout every single moment of every (laughs) single episode. You immediately need that palate cleanse afterwards. Just go watch Dragon Strike. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend Jessica Jessica Jones Jones. shortly followed by Dragon Strike. (laughs) That's how you do it. (laughs) 
Uh, but anyway, I love, I love the shorter arcs allowing for like a really tight story. And I think the way that Netflix is doing a lot of those where it's like a 13 episode season or, you know, it, it really makes it feel like every moment counts. And I've really felt it with this show. I'm only two episodes in and I'm already so like just, ugh. but yeah. I'm excited about it. I'll tell you why I like Jessica Jones. Because it reminds me of the Wild Man Fisher classic. Miss Jennifer Jones is lying down on my porch. I do 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 do. Miss Jennifer Jones. <laughs> you sang that recently, but I don't think it was because we were talking about Jessica Jones. So apparently, oh, yeah, a lot of things remind you of that. Was. I don't it think was it was about Jessica Jones. I don't think it was you said Jessica Jones. Yes. No, I think it was something else. I think it was another Jones name, <laughs> just any <laughs> Jones name, and you're like, "Yep, that's my song." <laughs> well, it's a good song. <laughs> well, all right. So clearly, you should watch Jessica Jones and then write the parody. I have Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's not George impossible. <laughs> We're in a Netflix lull right now, so we haven't seen any of it. Um, uh, we, we, every once in a while, we'll be like, okay, well, we're not really watching it because, you know, YouTube's free. So yeah. we'll, we'll stop our, <laughs> we'll stop our um, subscription. And then, you know, six months later, we're like, okay, well, there's probably new stuff on Netflix now. So we'll re up it for a few months. And then, so it's one of those things that we, we will renew and drop a lot. And right now we're, we're in a lull. Part of the genius in the Netflix business plan is that it's easy to renew and drop. Personally, Whereas the cable providers never want to let you go. Personally, my favorite thing to watch on Netflix is the Netflix selection screen that I scroll through for an hour. That's that's usually our cue that it's time to, to let it go and we're doing that and there's nothing we really yeah. are on to. It's like okay, well it's time to let it go for a little while. So Well the really genius thing is that it's cheap enough that even if you just w really want to watch one thing, you're like, eh, I'll get it for the month, and I'll watch that one thing, and I might watch a few more things to get my value out of it, and then I'll just cancel it. But then you forget to cancel it, and you get it, and you're like, ah, it's so cheap, and I'll watch a couple things throughout <laughs> the month to make it worth it. And then you forget to cancel it, and you're like, ah, it's just so cheap, and I'll just watch a few more things to make it worth it. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> I do enjoy some Netflix, but I'm kind of in that same boat where I would, I just occasionally go to it and like I'll get absorbed into a few episodes, uh, few episodes of a new show that's on there and watch the entire run and then I'll go back to YouTube. So that's generally been my pattern as well. I'm watching a Netflix produced anime series uh, called The Seven Deadly Sins. Uh huh. And it's a palate, it's a palate plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about it. So, all right, Sarah, you have not shared a pick of the week yet, have you? No, I haven't. You should do that right about nowsies. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't have Netflix, but we have Hulu, and um, 
we were scrolling through the other day, um, Liz and I were, we were looking for something to watch. Devin was playing a game on the computer and I happened across Benny and June, which I have not seen probably since Liz was a baby. And I think I'd only seen it like shortly after it came out. So, you know, in the, the 20 plus years it's been out, this was the third time we I've watched it and I had forgotten what a good movie that is. And and Liz was absolutely just taken in with it, and just giggling through it, and and really absorbed in the story. And so that's my pick is Benny and June. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, go watch it again because it's it's easy to kind of just forget what a good movie it is. Because I think I had that same feeling when I watched it. You know. 15 years ago was wow I kind of remember that was an awesome movie I can't believe it's been that long since you last watched it I, <laughs> I, just, I can't imagine it's that go, going that long without watching Vinnie and June it's one of my favorite movies and thank you because it, I'm definitely due to watch that movie again <laughs> so yeah and, and for people who don't know what Vinnie and June is Vinnie and June is a a story about a woman who has a um, mental um, mental illness, and she basically wins um, Johnny Depp's character. Um, Mary Stuart Masterson plays the, the woman, and she basically wins Johnny Depp's character in a um, poker game. Basically, the guy just doesn't want his cousin staying with him, and, and she's being taken care of by her brother, and her brother's having a hard time with it and is thinking about putting her in a home. And then this guy kind of just becomes her caretaker. It's pretty good. Yeah. And he's he's way out there eccentric too. I should mention that. Yeah. That's yeah. The, that's well, it the is Johnny Depp. Johnny so. Depp. It yeah. Is Johnny I mean, Depp. But it's yeah. It's actually I mean, it's really kind of mild like, compared to some of Johnny Depp's roles. Uh, but it's definitely <laughs> not you know, not his Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> way out there but yeah. it's it's a different way out there he doesn't have nice. scissors for hands or anything like that I mean. doesn't and it was it was it was actually i think after edward scissor hands that he did this movie but incidentally i recently read that uh johnny depp's uh performance uh in pirates of the caribbean for the first few days of the performance all of the uh executives behind the movie was like he is ruining this film and johnny depp was like look you hired me to do this let me do it my way or you know fire me your choice so they let him do it his way and it turns out that was the right thing <laughs> <laughs> but man they were totally convinced that this is going to be a flop because yeah. of him. <laughs> well i remember initially they had hired they wanted him to play the lead they wanted him to play orlando bloom's character and then he was like nah i don't want to play the wacky pirate that's what i want to do <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm, I'm not the guy that plays the I'm not the straight man. No, that does that doesn't work for me. Sorry. That's awesome. I did not know that story. <laughs> but but yeah, I I really like I like Johnny Depp's early work a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, and and you know I I really like a lot of his earlier movies. I really like Edward Scissorhands. I really like Cry Baby. I really mm -hmm. like um. Oh my gosh, the um, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, I mean, just all 
I mean, I think I really still think that his best work was in those kind of late eighty, early nineties movies. Um, and and yeah, you're right. It's amazing that I went that long without watching it. And I don't think that I'm. I say that I don't think I'm gonna let it happen again. But you know, in ten more years, we'll be like my pick of the week is. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny and June, I forgot how awesome of a movie that is. <laughs> well, it's at least not... we'll still be doing the podcast in 10 years, so that's good. <laughs> that's that's how it's working in my head anyway. But and I also love that it's a movie I can sit down and watch with my 14-year-old daughter, and she's like so totally into it. So Because most of the movies that I watch from that time frame, she's like, Mom, this is dumb. <laughs> Why are you watching this? It's like Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mom likes stupid movies. She's definitely The funny thing is is that you know everybody was better before they got real popular. Um but in jazz it's even worse. Once you get real popular then you're terrible. Did anybody notice me silently trying to sneak away and turn off my heat because it just kicked on and it was loud? I didn't hear you no. or the heat. <laughs> so. <laughs> so jazz, huh? That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's <Yeah>. a thing. <laughs> but if, if you want to be a jazz musician, you better never get popular or you'll be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we are all equally ready for bed. So on that note, we're going to jazz hands our way out of this. See, look, look, connected, made it work. And uh, this is the end of our ninth episode. We wish you all a very happy turkey day. Enjoy your turkey, unless you're Canadian and you already did that. And uh, bye. Bye. He's very tidy. Admires him. him. He's so handsome, it's a sin. When things get grim, he'll take it on the chin. Something other, something, something. He's Joxer. <laughs> Joxer the Mighty. <laughs> You're in jeopardy, captured by the enemy. No need to call the cavalry. There's a better remedy, although he doesn't work for, for free. free. He's Joxer. Joxer the Mighty. <laughs> okay, now. Jackster the Mighty song is all couplets. So we need to do Jackster rap. Jackster rap? Yeah, I am Jackster rap. No. no. It's all couplets, just like rap. No. no. Nope. <laughs> I don't think he likes it. <laughs> I think he'd get it. We could beatbox. We could beatbox and do the Jackster rap. I want to be clear. I am absolutely fine with the concept of the Joxer rap. I am, I am 100% against 
uh, uh, anyone in this particular podcast trying for me. Huh. <laughs>